Welcome to the Solarize podcast from creator, founder, and author Spencer Burke, where we have candid conversations with spiritual innovators, visionaries, change makers, creatives from the edge. These are the people that serve as our scouts and outlooks. The voice is calling for a more humane future, one we desire and are working toward. Both the beauty of New Horizons and the difficulties of taking risks will pepper all of our interviews. Welcome to the Solar Eyes podcast. Today on the show, we hear an interview between Spencer Burke and Rosalie Harden on faith and finances. I am an Episcopal priest, but I came to that uh, midlife, as so many Episcopal priests did, after having had a career in journalism and was um, currently the publisher of the Mississippi Business Journal when I left to go back to seminary when I was in my 40s. So I come to the priesthood from a business background and particularly uh, not just being a business person, but writing and talking about business. And there was a disconnect for me with my theology and my political leanings that grow out of my theology, because I believe God asks us to act in certain ways that tend to line up politically with what I would call a generous inclusion of the stranger, the widow, and the orphan, as Jesus spoke about those folks. So I kept noticing that our clientele or our advertisers and the people we were speaking to at the Mississippi Business Journal tended to have a bit of a different perspective on that, and that I really wanted to be talking theologically. And I I thought, and I was right, that the best way for me to do that was to be ordained and to become an Episcopal priest. And what I discovered after being ordained for about 10 years was that I really wanted to go back and start speaking into some of those issues around how we order our economic life writ large, the economy, business, how transactions happen among us, because I feel like the church has really failed to be a moral leader in that area, that we spend our time avoiding talking about money when Jesus would have us spend our time explicitly talking about money. It's an interesting place to be, someone who wants to talk about the thing that everybody says we should avoid talking about, but we got to talk about it because the economy is a bad actor when it comes to the lives and well-being of the people that Jesus favored most, and that is the people on the margins. So that's what I'm trying to do is to help move that conversation forward and to ask the church to be a leader in that conversation. I'm not exactly sure where we even met, but I do know that our Solarize connection uh, has been really strong. I so appreciate you sharing this last year uh, at Solarize, and I've always really appreciated just the way in which you're interpreting culture, finance, uh, spirituality. In fact, just as you were speaking, here is something I'd love to throw your way. Even though we tend to not put finance and religion together. Almost all of the spirituality I've had in my past has been transactional, based on kind of not finances, but on the principles of finance. Do you know what I mean? Grace has never really been grace. It's been a wise business decision. If I do this, then God will do this, and then I'll get this in return. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though we tend not to talk about the transaction of money, but we've always transactionalized our spirituality. 
Yeah, that is a connection that I think I've been aware of in the past, but as you're talking about it, I'm beginning to see a lot of the roots of where this problem comes from. I'm working on this little essay that I've been trying to get written for a long, a long time that goes back to when I was in vacation Bible school in like the sixth grade. We would come in behind the flags. We would troop into the church behind the flags, the American flag and the Christian flag. And they would put the American flag on the left side of the choir loft and we would pledge allegiance to the American flag. Then they would put the Christian flag on the other side and we would pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. And when I was in elementary school, it just annoyed the heck out of me that we had this transaction with the American flag that said, here are the rules of etiquette for the flag, which they taught us in vacation Bible school, that it would always be on the left side when you were facing it. And it was like, why in the church do we pay attention to that rule first? Do you get where I'm going? It's like we pay attention to all of these man-made rules and we've injected them into our faith when our faith should be giving us the rules, the words of Jesus or the words of the Talmud or the words of the prophets should be giving us the rules. I think in the Christian world, the rule is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Is it interesting that Paul warns us in Galatians not to mix law and uh, grace. But in some ways, we are in the midst of mixing transactional Christianity that, you know, we can look back in history and see how empire has mixed spirituality together. And uh, as you were talking about pledging allegiance to flags, you know, that we have somehow mixed these, maybe as the Galatians has mixed these, in our finances to the point where Brian, during the discussion, remember, he thought originally with the Emerging Church 20 years ago that it really was kind of our theology pushing our economics. And he said, I think I was mistaken. It might be our economics that are pushing our theology. Yes. And just like putting that flag on the left side of the church pushed our theology, whether we liked it or not, as kids, we were getting the message that America came first, and then our faith fell in the line around it. We've got exactly the same thing going on with the economy, that the economy is not gravity. It's not a physical principle that everything has to fall in line around. We have built an economy, and this economy is serving the richest of the rich first. And we even said that, that the economy was about trickling down to the poor, and that did not work. The poor did not get more wealth as the richer get wealthier. What we are seeing and what we've really seen in this pandemic and with the racial unrest in this country is that the opposite is happening. The rich are getting richer and the poor are not getting trickled down. They're getting, in fact, poorer. So the economy is not working for our faith goals, but we don't seem to know how to stop the train and reverse it. How are we going to build an economy that serves the people who need serving? Sometimes people get caught up in, oh, is it reparations? Oh, is it global warming? Or all these other ways. What if we just said that ultimately we're on the wrong track? If we keep Mm -hmm. going this way with our investments, nobody wins. And as we look at issues, again, reframe them any way you want. 
there is a place where we're, we're not starting at a zero-sum game. We're actually going to have to make some investments. Infrastructure, like as sad and tragic and ironic as it was, Biden was going to talk about the infrastructure plan, and there in Pennsylvania, a bridge falls. So we, it's not a zero-sum. There are some repairs that need to be made. There are some ways in which we need to look and say, this isn't right. Again, I'm not trying to talk about the philosophical, but in the religious sense, we need to start to move uh, what we call kind of a more humane spirituality, a more humane economy, maybe, and that we have to evaluate it where it is, honestly, without getting into the political games. Again, mixing the grace and law and or religion and say, what's kind of a powerful way that we can invest now? It, it's not just taking water out of the stream and placing it at zero. We've destroyed it at a certain level, or we've hurt it in a level that our obligation now for our children and our children's children is to take it out at a negative level and replace it at a positive level, that we actually have to invest in that water. One of the things that's the most baffling to me about this is the way churches are abdicating their leadership in this and letting money rule their conversations as well. We should be yelling about it. For example, in the Episcopal Church, we have a pension fund. Because it's a legal entity, it was set up so that the highest fiduciary responsibility is for the pension fund to make as much money as it can make on those monies to make sure that when I need money for my retirement, that it is there. Care for the widows and the orphans and the people on the margins does not play into the fiduciary responsibilities of how funds are set up. So churches that have endowments, they're investing those endowments for the highest gain and the lowest risk. Jesus asks us to invest at a very high risk, to invest all that we have and all that we are, and to not care about the risk. The problem is Jesus got crucified for that. The Solarize Podcast is brought to you today by our partners at the Igniting Imagination Podcast. Igniting Imagination is a podcast to spark the spirit within you from Wesleyan Investive and Texas Methodist Foundation. They believe every moment for change starts with conversation. They hope the conversations in these episodes might invite you into new perspectives and possibilities, inspire you with an idea, give you insight about your next faithful step, and further equip you to engage in the conversations in your context that can lead to deep change. This season, they are sharing conversations about the five adaptive muscles the church must strengthen to be fit, agile, and ready for God's now. For more information, visit their website at www.wesleyaninvestive.org forward slash igniting dash imagination dash podcast. So often people are giving, you know, 10% of their money to clean the oceans or to, you know, do something, whatever it might be, right? But they don't realize that 100% of their investments are creating those problems. So I love what you're saying, you know, and the, yeah. uh, the institutions need to absolutely look at that. We need to push those. But we today can actually go, wait a minute, we can solve the problem. Again, 
thinking about it before it ever even happens, or making sure that we're not perpetuating something, but we have to be thinking about what's our impact now, because it's the bigger investments that we have that could be creating those issues. The battle we have is with powers and principalities. It's with the big corporations. It's with governmental. One of the things is that when I first started doing this work, I was called Canon for Money and Meaning at the local cathedral here in Asheville. And we started talking about how we as individuals could make changes. And we can make individual changes. We can buy organic food. We can recycle more. We can compost more. We can figure out where things that we are wearing or owning or whatever buying are made and buy ethically. But that's like cleaning up your local stream when the river is polluted. It needs to be done, but shareholder activism, we have to look at every penny we spend through a lens of faith and demand that every penny we own, put that in quotations, because it's all God's, but every penny we control has a faith-first attitude about it. I used to say, and I may have said this at Solarize, that you would never say, if I slapped you, I could never say, well, that was my hand slapping you. I didn't really slap you. That didn't have anything to do with me. But my money is slapping people all the time. It's paying pennies to someone who needs a dollar for a living wage. It's polluting rivers. It's extracting the metals. I think I know Brian talked about that. Yet we all own our iPhones or our Google phones or whatever, and we're not going to stop owning them, but we can start demanding that Apple and other phone manufacturers hear that we don't like it and that they need to find new ways and that they need to respond and that the government needs to respond and corporations need to respond and, and put pressure on them. I agree. It's always a both and, you know, I mean, it's our part mm-hmm. and it's pushing on the game. But in some ways, we keep coming, like you were saying, like over 20 years, we keep going back. There is something, I think, during this time of disruption that we could start to even think in a more integrated way. You know, again, this humane spirituality, humane economy, you know, it's the faith first. But again, the other part is I want to be careful that, that we don't swing the pendulum the other way. Because if it's not integrated, all of a sudden we create as many problems. You know what I mean? We empower another entity that isn't looking in an integrated way. I'm not looking for individual solutions. I'm looking for people of faith to talk about their values and our morals and our ethics. And when we get the When we get that conversation right, then whatever pops up, this is how we judge it. This is how we evaluate it. Does it meet these criteria? Because I think there are ways that, you know, we're learning all the time um, that we're learning how helping hurts, for example, that that we're examining our practices. And I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, This is about our theology leading us. This is about our understanding of who God is and how we respond to God. When that leads, we don't have to worry about somebody popping up and using the words against us because we'll say, "Ah, yeah, those are the right words, but they're in the wrong order again. 
And the church just is shut up about it. The church doesn't talk about it. We do a terrible job of catechizing, of teaching, of having people understand what it is that Jesus would have us do and who Jesus loves and how we do that. I mean, a friend of mine, uh, back with some of the border escapades, she is a Christian, and there's no question in my mind. But when I questioned her about how something she said on Facebook about the border, I was like, how can you, I don't understand how you can say that they have to stay out when Jesus told us to welcome aliens. And and she was like, well, you know, we're afraid that they're going to get what's ours. And it's like the basic understanding of what we can and cannot own and how that is in relationship to all of the population of the earth is just, we don't talk about that at church. And I feel like if people came in understanding the gravity of what it is Jesus was asking us to do. And we said, this is who we are, and this is the direction we're going, and we're going to lead on this. Then people would either go with us or say, Meh, that's not that Christianity's not for me. I also think that, you know, you measure what matters and, you, and what matters measures, you know. So mm-hmm. what if we started to talk in church in the financial realm about not just how much money is coming into the church, but what about creating innovation funds that we are investing in our community? That as important as what we're bringing in is where it's going out. And maybe even investing in some of those spiritual entrepreneurs, those innovators, those change makers in the community. How is it that you think we might be able to frame a new metric, you know, like, or have you heard of this or seen some of this where people are thinking about holding monies, not in just mine, give to me for our project, our deal, but how we might even be finding ways of investing it in our local neighborhoods through innovation and other ways? Absolutely. We've had this brand called Neighborhood Economics. One thing I didn't include in my bio is that my husband and I, along with a couple of other folks, Tim Freundly and Tim Sorens from Parish Collective and Inhabit, the four of us have been deeply involved in SOCAP, Social Capital Markets, which was an event that in 2019, the last time it met in person, gathered 3,000 people from 60 countries to talk about how to invest for impact, positive impact. And entrepreneurs are a big part of that. We sold SOCAP a couple of years before the pandemic but I'm still engaged with it, still involved in it. But one of the products that we had that came out of SOCAP was Neighborhood Economics, where we did some local events where we talked about how communities can come together to create an ecosystem where entrepreneurs, uh, churches, investors, local governments can work together to clean up their stream, if you will rather than impact investing, which is working to change SOCAP, working to change Wall Street. We're talking about how do we change a neighborhood. So in May of this year, we're having an event in Indianapolis, Neighborhood Economics Catalytic Change at the Local Level. And we're going to be talking about how foundations can put catalytic capital into the ecosystem? How do we work together to bridge the racial wealth gap? How do you do neighborhood investment trusts? 
how how can we look at governmental policy to change the economics of our city? But we're also intentionally bringing three streams of faith folks into this. One is how do we align our endowments with any funds that we might have in our reserves to invest locally? How do we get the actions of our congregations to help Main Street, Faith on Main Street? It's that, that title comes out of a book uh, by Dave Cresto, Jesus on Main Street, and Dave's going to be leading that track. And then we also have another big important piece for congregations to look at is their assets, their hard assets that aren't, aren't money, property and buildings that sit idle for more than 80% of the time, even when you put in your Sunday morning time, the 80% of our daylight hours, the buildings are empty and organizations, entrepreneurs, uh, folks need spaces to meet and our churches are locked up and we have property where affordable housing could be built that could also fund the congregation and help with this. So we're going to be bringing 150 people together to have conversations in these eight design labs that just overlap like crazy to how do we build an ecosystem, an economy that serves our neighborhood. And we've got churches and congregations and people of faith explicitly engaging in this conversation because we need them there as moral leaders. Uh, When we started SOCAP, Catherine Fulton of the Monitor Group said from our stage, main stage at our very first SOCAP, that impact investing was a movement that was arising because of a moral need in the marketplace. And churches didn't show up. So we haven't had a moral guide. We've had an ecological guide. We've had a poverty guide. But we need a moral voice that says, this is what our faith, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Jewish, this is what our faith, this is what our spirituality tells us about the world. And this is the guidance for all of us as we build communities and neighborhoods. Churches used to be on the city center. Banks sit at city center now. And churches have to get back on the main street. Special thanks to Rosalie Hardin for joining the show today. To learn more about her work, please go to faithfinance.net or neighborhoodeconomic.org. Make sure you support the Solarize podcast by subscribing to it, giving it a five-star rating, and write a review.